welcome to another episode of the 49er Way podcast. It's your host, Jay Sahota, back at it for a playoff edition of the 49er Way podcast. Hope everyone had a great weekend, and if you're a fan of the Buffalo Bills, Tampa Bay Bucks, Baltimore Ravens, Cleveland Browns, LA Rams, and the New Orleans Saints, congratulations on winning on wildcard weekend and advancing to the divisional round. And a little extra shout out to the Cleveland Browns and the Buffalo Bills and those fan bases. Man, I mean, Cloud9 is probably an understatement. It has been a long time coming for those fan bases. Congratulations to them. Today must feel like a holiday for Bills and Browns fans. Awesome to see them doing as well as they are. However, if you're a fan of one of the losing teams, better luck next year. But I'm in a great mood today. And why is that, you may ask? Yes, the 49ers didn't make the playoffs this year and are watching the postseason from their couches. It was a, you know, tough season with the injuries and all that series of unfortunate events. But now, thanks to our good friends in the NFC West, Sean McVay, Aaron Donald, and the LA Rams, the Seattle Seahawks reign as division champs didn't even last two weeks. And now, the Seahawks will be joining the rest of us and watching the rest of the playoffs from their basements. Oh, my condolences to the 12s. Sorry to hear that. Hopefully next time you remember to turn on the stove when you try and let Russell Wilson cook. But better luck next time. See you in 2021, Seattle. On to the rest of the wildcard weekend, of course. It wasn't the same without the 49ers. Obviously, last year, there was the whole Super Bowl run and everything. But I'm glad the 49ers didn't make a push. Obviously, they had a chance in December to try and make a push into the playoffs. But I'm glad they didn't. It just wouldn't be the same without Nick Bosa. He's a game changer. We all know that. But however, after watching all the games this weekend, I, I truly believe if the 49ers were healthy from day one, they would be playing next weekend without a doubt. But unfortunately, that'll have to wait until 2021. Having said that, on today's episode, we'll get to a few pieces of 49ers news and rumors, we'll recap Super Wildcard Weekend, crown our playoff award winners, and we'll preview the divisional round matchups for next week. And of course, don't forget to give the 49er way a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis. So before we get to Super Wildcard Weekend and we get to talking about the divisional matchups coming up this week, well, it's the offseason for the 49ers, so there's always some news and rumors going around all the time in the offseason. So there was a little bit to talk about this week, so we'll get to that, and we'll start off with Fred Warner. What a season he had. He was named an All-Pro for the first time in his young career, first of many 16 games he played all 16 games hasn't missed a game knock on wood two interceptions five forced fumbles 125 tackles Fred Warner Fred Warner was one of those guys that just this year it was just a blessing to watch I mean it's been such a tough year all around with the injuries and stuff but to have him on the field watch him just grow and progress since he came in in 2018 as a rookie and with all the injuries we dealt with in 2018 he got thrusted into the lineup and he just has been playing unbelievable ever since and now he's due for a payday I mean Fred Warner is now a leader on this defense and Fred Warner deserves it he's got pro bowls and all pros in his future I mean he's the he's the leader of this team from now on so I just want to give a shout out to number 54 Fred Warner 
I enjoyed watching them all season. I know all 49er fans enjoyed watching them all season. Offseason also means contract talks. One of the biggest priorities for free agents for the 49ers this year is Trent Williams, who they acquired in a trade from Washington last year. He was huge for us all year, played 15 games. Trent Williams, good news, has been in extensive contract talks with the 49ers. That is great news. I know him and Kyle Juszczyk are most certainly the two biggest priorities for the 49ers. So it's a big deal that the contracts that the contract talks have gotten started, and hopefully John Lynch will get something sorted out soon. Last but not least. There's been some buzz this week about Deshaun Watson and trade rumors from the Texans as he's unhappy with the Houston Texans front office. Deshaun Watson was supposed to have a say in hiring a new head coach and who they wanted to bring as the new GM. Apparently, Watson had no say in Nick Casario, who got hired as the new GM for Houston. So he's unhappy there, possibly could ask for out of Houston. And of course, 49er fans have had a field day with the possibilities of Deshaun Watson becoming a 49er. And I could talk for a long time about the possibilities of this, but I'm not going to take too much time here. But of course, I mean, it's been cut and clear that Jimmy Garoppolo looks like he's going to be the guy. And everyone knows, if you listen to this podcast, I've been pro-Jimmy, you know, from when he got traded here to now, and I still do believe in Jimmy. I still believe he's our guy. But my goodness, if Deshaun Watson is available and somehow the trade is right and we can fit him in and, you know, we have enough cap space to bring him in, I just I, I just don't know if you're John Lynch how you say no to that. And I know Jimmy Jimmy G has done amazing things for us. He brought us to the Super Bowl. But I think the storyline has been cut and clear. If there is a clear and obvious upgrade, take it. Deshaun Watson is one of the best young quarterbacks in the National Football League. He's an am- he's an amazing thrower, an amazing he's mo- he's mobile. And I remember saying back in 2017 when he was in Clemson and the Niners just had hired Kyle Shannon, I said Deshaun Watson and Kyle Shannon would be a match made in heaven. Hey man, I mean I I, I mean I'm kind of getting on the bandwagon here with the rest of the 49er fans of the possibilities of Deshaun Watson being available, but I doubt it's going to happen. You know, it's it's very slim, but who knows? It could happen, it may not, but the possibilities are endless. It's the off season. This is the time of year where, you know, a lot of things are talking, but I'm still pro Garoppolo. We'll see what happens. But if the Sean Watson's available, John Lynch, start dialing up the Houston Texans front offense and start dialing something up. But we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. And now it is time to recap Super Wild Card Weekend. Of course, this was the first time that there were six wild card games. The first time that there was a 7 seed added to the playoff format. Of course, only two teams got bye weeks instead of four. And I have to say, it was a mad success. Super Wild Card Weekend was everything the NFL hoped it would be. You know, for us fans, the quality of the games, the competition level, all of it was amazing it was amazing to watch all six games were tremendous I mean I don't know about the Saints Bears game but all the other five games were fantastic entertaining a lot of storylines and looking ahead to divisional weekend which we'll get to later on in this episode I mean my goodness all four games are looking up to be incredible ball games but let's get to wild card weekend and we'll start with Saturday the Indianapolis Colts at the Buffalo Bills obviously the storyline here the Bills 
hosting their first playoff game in 25 years. There were fans in the stadium, and it it really changed things. And and uh, before I get into the games, I just want to say Buffalo had fans in the stadium, Tennessee had fans in the stadium, and I believe it was New Orleans that had a little bit fans in the stadium. It made a difference. I mean, I don't know if anyone else who watched the games kind of noticed the difference, but it really made a difference. And having fans in the stadium with the effect, it, it really made it feel like it was a playoff game and not just any other game. But even for the other games that didn't have fans, it still felt like a playoff game and it was fantastic. But I certainly hope that for next weekend's games and the championship weekend, I know the Super Bowl will be fans, but I hope that they will continue to allow limited capacity of fans because it really makes a difference and it makes a really big difference for the teams that are hosting games. But on to the Bills and the Colts. The Bills won their first playoff game in 25 years. Congratulations to the Buffalo Bills, 27-24 in what was a great game, a really great game. And man, for the Indianapolis Colts, this is this was a tough one. They controlled the clock for most of the game, 34 minutes to 25 minutes in. There was no turnovers in this game at all. The Colts, no turnovers. Bills, no turnovers. And that is the interesting part because usually these playoff games kind of come down to, you know, that that one key mistake or, the, or that one team that, that constantly turns the ball over. But there were no turnovers. This, game. this was just about who's going to tough it out, who's going to take advantage of their opportunities. And that was really the story of this game. The Indianapolis Colts just did not take advantage of their opportunities. They missed the field goal in Buffalo territory. They went for it on fourth and goal. They didn't get it. The clock management in the fourth quarter wasn't that great. Frank Reich was very aggressive in this game, but here's here's what I will say. I know he's going to get a lot of criticism for it, and I know a lot of people are going to you know, say their opinions on it. I'll give my two cents worth. I, I, I did not have a problem with it at all. You are in a playoff game. You're on the road. You know, it's, it's do or die. You know, as a head coach, you it's either you live and you die, right? You be aggressive, and if it works, you're a hero. And if it doesn't, you know, you're you're gonna get killed in the in the press conference by the media. Like it it is what it is, and that's what it and that's what playoffs should be about taking a chance. And I admire Frank Reich for taking a chance, being aggressive. Unfortunately, they didn't come up on the winning end of things. But if Blankenship hit hit that field goal, there would have been a tie game. That's not Frank Reich's fault, but. You know, it is what it is. It's 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 a tough one for Indianapolis to swallow for sure. It was, but the Buffalo Bills. I mean, you just can't say enough about how good this team is playing right now. And we'll start with the guy who was incredible, not just in this game but all season long. Number seventeen in blue, Josh Allen, twenty six for thirty five, three hundred twenty four yards, two touchdowns, no picks, fifty four yards on the ground. Josh Allen did it again. I mean, this this guy is just straight up balling. And, you know, last year when he flopped late in that game against the Texans and his his youth really showed in his playoff debut being on the road and obviously being at home, you're a little more comfortable. But when it's your first home game in as long as it's been for the Bills in 25 years since Josh Allen was born was the last time Buffalo hosted a playoff game, you know, there's going to be a lot of raw emotion. And the way that Josh Allen, I know the Bills got off to a slow start for sure, but once him and Diggs got clicking, it was over from that moment. And Josh Allen played this game like a professional. He learned from his mistakes in the last game against Houston last year. I applaud Josh Allen. That was was a phenomenal effort, a great performance. 
And Stephon Diggs, who I'll get to next, six catches, 120 yards, and a touchdown. He just it he doesn't make Josh Allen look good. Josh Allen is 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 really good. Stephon Diggs takes Josh Allen to another level. Right? He doesn't make him better, but he elevates his game to another level. Because last year, the Bills were really good last year, but they were missing something. Brandon Bean goes out, gets Stephon Diggs, and the Bills offense is on fire. This Allen the Diggs connection has to be the hottest in the league right now. They dominated this game. The Bills ran the ball for 42 yards, not including Josh Allen. So Singletary and Moss combined for 42 yards. They're actual running backs. The Bills didn't have a run game. Allen and Diggs did it all. And the Bills looked fantastic. And they they the Colts did everything right. Their pace was perfectly fine. They controlled the clock. They ran the ball. Jonathan Taylor, 78 yards. Naeem Hines, 75 yards. Michael Pittman, 5 catches, 90 yards. Jack Doyle, 7 catches, 7 yards, and a touchdown. Phillip Rivers didn't turn the ball over. Passed for 309 yards. Passed the ball. It was 27 for 46. Two touchdowns. The Colts did everything right. It was just the missed opportunities. And like I said before, when you're aggressive like Frank Reich was, it's either you live it or you live by it. Or you die by it. And that's how it went. But Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, absolutely incredible performance. And the Buffalo Bills are moving on. And when you look at this game in summary, obviously Frank Reich's aggressiveness, that was the key headline here. The Colts just unlucky, right? You live and you die. But it's a 50-50 chance when you when you take a risk like the Colts did. Allen and Diggs continue to dominate. And that's it. The Buffalo Bills will host another playoff game in the divisional round while the Colts look ahead to another uncertain offseason at the quarterback position. Will Phillip Rivers return or will he not? We'll find out in the offseason. But man, those Buffalo Bills, whoo, man, nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. And to have them play in the mid-January, incredible stuff. Fans, they deserve to be there. They're going to be there again next weekend. It's going to be a party next Saturday night. On to the Rams and the Seahawks, which, of course, I already talked about in the beginning of this segment. And it didn't matter who lost in this game, of course, for me and the rest of the 49er fans out there because an NFC West rival was going to lose. But the Rams go on the road after losing 20-9 in the first game. Come out, drop 30 on the Seahawks in a 30-20 win. Ugh, Seattle shouldn't have rubbed it in after that divisional win with the cigars and the t-shirts and all that. Don't do that with Aaron Donald, man. You give the Rams and Aaron Donald something to play for, the result that Saturday is going to happen to you. Tough luck there. The Rams' first playoff win since their NFC title victory in 2018 against the Saints. The Seahawks, their first home playoff loss in the Russell Wilson era and... You know, it, it really goes to show you the effect of the 12s. I mean, I know I, I was talking all that smack earlier, but, you know, talking about, you know, actual football and the actual game here. Yeah, not having the 12s made a huge impact because you have Jared Goff coming in, in relief, playing with a broken thumb, not even like two weeks since he had surgery. And he did everything he needed to do. You add the 12s in there and you can't hear a thing. I don't think that game goes the way that it does. Maybe it does. Sean McVay was brilliant. His game plan was marvelous. It was a it was a masterpiece. But I think, you know, you would be it would be wrong to say 
that if the fans were not, or were in that stadium rather, if they were there, I don't know if this game goes in the Rams' favor, but not having the fans definitely went in the Rams' favor. But I said last week in this game, the winner is going to be the team that runs the football better. The Rams ran the ball for 164 yards. Seattle ran it for 136. The Rams won the football game. Cam Akers had a day. 28 rushes, 131 yards. Obviously, the game plan going in was for John Wolford to start, which he did. And then he got hurt. So the game plan was to run the football anyways. Executed that perfectly. They got Andrew Whitworth back. The O-line killed it. Seattle's defense just couldn't get a stop. That's the bottom line here. I mean, the Rams had 5-6. The Rams got an interception. Seahawks did not get a turnover, right? That's the difference there. The Rams' defense was flawless all afternoon. They forced eight punts. And then when it came down to penalties, Seattle had nine. LA had two. And the Rams, one time of possession, 33 minutes to 26 minutes. The Rams executed the game plan perfectly. And like I said, if the crowd was there, would it have played out differently? I think so. But the Rams still might have won the football game. The Seahawks defense was playing really good later later in the season, but they did not play good on Saturday. They didn't come up with that big play to change the momentum of the game. And they didn't get to Jared Goff, who was already gimpy in that game. So it's a, it's a tough one there. And of course, John Wolford got the start. He got injured, left the game with a neck injury. Jared Goff has to come in in relief. And he didn't even need to do much. He was 9 for 19, 155 yards and a touchdown, no picks. You know, Jared Goff did not do much. It didn't look like he could do much. But he did what he needed to do to win and to execute the game plan. And I think that's all that matters for the LA Rams in the, you know, big picture of things here. But the Seahawks offense was nowhere to be seen. I mean, other than DK Metcalf, five catches, 96 yards, two touchdowns. They ran the ball pretty well. But other than that, they didn't. That offensive line did not keep Russell Wilson clean. I know some guys got hurt and they were in and out, but it, it, it's a tough one. And the Rams, obviously, the main thing in this game is Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald left with injuries. So will they be ready for next week's game? I think both will be ready to go. But when you look at this game in summary, the Rams ran the ball better. They executed the game plan better. They made the big plays. That one pick six, I think, was a huge difference in that game. Jared Goff did just enough to win the game. He managed it perfectly. And the Rams came out victorious. They lost back in week 16 when they came out there. Seahawks won the division. But it's the Rams who progress to the divisional round. The Rams will move on and play the Packers at Lambeau Field next week. And should be a great game while the Seahawks are going home. To the Saturday night game, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers took on the Washington football team. The Bucs took care of business 31-23. Tom Brady won his first playoff game in the NFC with Tampa Bay. The Bucs ran the ball well. They ran it with Leonard Fournette. Ronald Jones left the game with an injury. 19 rushes, 93 yards, and a touchdown. The Bucs had over 500 total yards. They were able to move the ball very good. They had a turnover. Or Tampa forced a turnover, rather. Washington did not get a turnover, and it really came down to that, right? Is Washington's front seven going to get to Tom Brady? It, they got to him a little bit, but it, it wasn't enough to really, you know, make a push. But Washington only lost by one possession, and that wasn't because of their defense. That was because of Taylor Heineke. Alex Smith did not get the start. He sat out with a calf injury. Very, very unfortunate. Had an outstanding season. A great comeback. Great story. But, I mean, isn't this just the most fitting thing for Washington? I mean, the whole year, they're 7-9. and nine. 
They win the NFC East, the worst division of football. Ron Rivera beats cancer. You have Alex Smith coming back, you know, from leg surgery and, and like, I think it was like 11 different surgeries he had in his leg. Outstanding comeback story, feel good story. You know, Washington's defense has been carrying them for most of the way. Their offense has hardly any talent, but yet the resiliency of this team has been the story. It's a great feel-good story. For God's sakes, they don't even have a mascot. They're the Washington football team. But here they are in the playoffs, hosting a playoff game, and Taylor Heineke gets his first playoff start against Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, six-time Super Bowl champion. Makes his second career start. Taylor Heineke has only made one start prior to this playoff game. Obviously, he came in in relief in Week 16 against the Panthers. But other than that... He has not had many reps. Taylor Heineke balled the heck out. 26 for 44, 306 yards, one touchdown, and a pick. This guy was phenomenal. I don't know where this guy came out of literally nowhere. Wasn't even on the roster like four weeks ago. And went toe-to-toe with Tom Brady in the playoffs. Outstanding story. The game was entertaining. Heineke kept them in the game. A lot of people thought it was going to be a blowout. I thought it was going to be a blowout. The minute I heard Alex Smith wasn't active, I'm like, oh God, here we go. This is going to be a blowout. Washington made that a football game. And what Taylor Heineke was able to do was gutless. Absolutely gutless. And I applaud that. That was an absolutely unbelievable performance. Inspiring, really. And really just showed what Washington was able to do the whole season. They were just super resilient. But Washington may have lost this game. But it was an incredible season for Ron Rivera in his first season as the Washington coach. They have a bright future ahead. If they can just get some upgrades on offense, Washington could be good for years to come. But back to the Buccaneers, this was about them. It wasn't the greatest performance, but it was good enough to win. And they were expected to win, and they got the job done. Tom Brady doing just unbelievable things at 43 years old. Mike Evans was a game-time decision. But man, this guy came out and balled out. Six catches, 119 yards. Antonio Brown had a touchdown as well. And the Buccaneers looked good. Another flawless performance by them. Again, it wasn't pretty. So, yeah, no, it wasn't flawless. But it was a a great performance. And the Buccaneers move on. But here's the thing with the Buccaneers. They still have not played anybody. When they have played a playoff team, they, they haven't been that good they've lost the majority the only meaningful game that they've won was against Green Bay back in week six since then yeah they've been on a roll yeah they haven't lost since week 12 but the question is can Tampa Bay win next weekend and we'll preview that game later on the Bucks will move on to the divisional round Washington heads home but again I applaud Washington for what they were able to do amazing season for them Tampa moves on to next weekend Ravens at the Titans. Ravens won this game 20 to 13. Lamar Jackson, my guy, congratulations, gets his first playoff win. Third time's a charm, I guess. Ravens get redemption after losing in the playoffs last year to Tennessee and, of course, avenging the week 11 loss in overtime. And I guess this weekend is just the story of karma, isn't it? The Seahawks bragged about their division win with the cigars and the t shirts, they lost. The Titans went on to Baltimore's field pregame in Week 11, kicked around the logo. Ravens were pissed at that, of course. Who Anyone would. And the Ravens get revenge on that. And then the Steelers, which we'll get to in a little bit. Juju Smith-Schuster talking all that smack about how Cleveland is still Cleveland and they're still the garbage Browns. And they got their butt whooped. 
Lesson learnt. Do not give another team a reason to play and beat you in that game. Because it hasn't worked out. Seattle, it didn't work out for them. Didn't work out for Pittsburgh. And it didn't work out for Tennessee. So lesson learned when it comes to the media and it comes to social media and all that stuff. Do not give the other team any kind of ammunition whatsoever for any of the teams that are still in the playoffs. Don't do it. It does not help. But the Baltimore Ravens, I mean, this game, similar to the Rams-Seahawks game, whoever had their way on the ground was going to win this game, and the Baltimore Ravens did just that. 236 yards on the ground, held Derrick Henry and the Titans to 51 yards. Outstanding performance by Don Martindale's defense. Phenomenal job shutting down Derrick Henry, who was averaging like literally almost 200 yards a game. Incredible stuff. The Titans defense was, they were on a roll early. They were getting to Lamar. They had an interception early in that game. But once Lamar started getting going, it just seemed like the momentum shifted and it was over from there. Lamar Jackson, 17 for 24, 179 passing yards, had the one interception. But where Lamar shines is on the ground game. 136 rushing yards and one touchdown and a highlight reel touchdown run in that game. Lamar was fantastic, and he got some help. Hollywood Brown, seven catches, 109 yards, and of course, Marcus Peters with the game ceiling clinch. And then the Ravens got a chance to celebrate on the Titans logo. That was kind of cool. Titans had it coming. There's just no excuses for that. Ryan Tannehill struggled in this game, and the, the Titans weren't able to move the ball as much as they wanted to, you know, but I think you got to give more of the credit to the Baltimore Ravens defense for shutting down this Titans offense. It really was a terrific job. Derrick Henry, like we talked about, I mean, 18 rushes for 40 yards. That's, I mean, I'm I'm speechless. Like what Baltimore did to Derrick Henry was phenomenal. It is not easy to bottle up Derrick Henry, one of the best running backs in in the game. It's It was really just an, an absolutely outstanding performance. And A.J. Brown, who came out for Tennessee, I applaud him. He came out, he played hard, injured, six catches, 83 yards, and touchdown, but was not enough. And this game, in summary, the Ravens just ran the ball better, and they shut down Derrick Henry. You do those two things, you're going to win football games, and the Baltimore Ravens did just that. The one questionable call was late, in the, or not late, I think it was around 10 minutes in the fourth quarter. The Titans decided to punt on a fourth and two instead of going for it. It's interesting. I I think you're up by four. It was 17-13 at the time. I think punting the ball is fine. Tennessee's defense was playing pretty good for the most part, but yeah, it was it was a mistake. And listen, this is what Frank Reich got a lot of slack for earlier with being aggressive, and obviously it didn't work in his favor, right? But when you look at, for Mike Vrabel, he's usually an aggressive coach. So I'm kind of surprised that he did not go for it on fourth and two. I don't blame them for punting. I think it wasn't a terrible, but Baltimore is a team that when they are on the field for a long period of time and they're running the ball the way that, that they were, you're not going to get the ball back for a lot of time. And they didn't, they didn't get the ball back until like late in that quarter. He should have gone for it. Shouldn't have played conservatively. And you know, again, like Frank Reich, you live and you die by your decisions. And at least the Colts did that. And they tried doing that. The Titans, Played conservative, and it screwed them over. But the Tennessee Titans are headed home. They won't get a chance to repeat their deep playoff run of last season. But the Baltimore Ravens, for the first time in six years, get a playoff win and move on to the divisional round. 
to the Saints and the Bears. Saints won this game 21 to 9. This is kind of an obvious, you know, game here. I don't think anyone thought that the Bears had a chance. The Saints D was fantastic all afternoon. Held the Bears to three points for almost the entire game. Saints ran the ball for 123 yards. They got Alvin Kamara back off the COVID list. Had one turnover in the game. The Bears fumbled the ball. Saints were clean with turnovers. Dominated. Absolutely dominated clock. 38 minutes to 21 minutes. Hardly saw Mitchell Trubisky. Not that he could do anything on the field anyways. But obviously, you know, Trubisky didn't get a lot of help. I, from what I saw in that game, he didn't play terribly. He just didn't get a lot of help around him. And that Saints defense is very, very good. Drew Brees was great. 28 for 39, 265 yards, two touchdowns. Great performance. Alvin Kamara coming back was huge. Michael Thomas coming back was huge. Kamara went for 23 rushes, 99 yards, and a touchdown. Michael Thomas, five catches, 73 yards, and a touchdown. Saints look great. I mean, I think you have to look at the Saints with Kamara and Michael Thomas. They look dangerous. And with this defense... The Saints are legit. And I think a lot of people will say the Packers right now, and yes, going into Lambeau Field is going to be extremely tough. But with that defense, and the way that Drew Brees is playing right now, and you got Kamara and Michael Thomas, who are one, you know, two of the best players in the game at their respective positions, this Saints team is legit. And what they showed was great, great things. And, and Sean Payton's a great head coach. But the Saints, big game next weekend. They move on. They will host the Buccaneers for round three. We'll talk about that later in this episode. Phenomenal game there. Cannot wait to get that. While the Chicago Bears, well, they got into the playoffs. They needed some help. They got in. They got in as the seventh seed. And I guess they forgot the offense back in Chicago because they didn't show up. Mitchell Trubisky showed up, but the other 10 guys around him didn't show up. So the Bears stunk. They didn't score until the last dying seconds of the game. Jimmy Graham scored a touchdown. So they were held to a field goal for literally 59 minutes out of 60. A tough luck for Matt Nagy and the Bears. I, I personally, I think that Matt Nagy is a good coach. But I think that the Bears need a lot more work to do in the offseason. But we'll see what happens there. Saints move on. Bears headed home to the final game of the weekend. The Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Heading into this game, that the Steelers are more experienced. The Browns, the Fansky's not going to be there. You know, they're missing guys to COVID and they had the outbreak. They hardly practiced all week. I mean, they had to shut down the facility. All the odds are against the, the Browns. They haven't won in Pittsburgh in 17 years. You know, it's it's not going to happen. You know, good job, Cleveland. Congratulations for making the playoffs, breaking the drum, whatever. You know, we're going to go in, we're going to have some fun, and go home. You are completely wrong. This game was like, I, I, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth on the call were appalled. Like, they have never seen, they were speechless. They've never seen anything like this game. I've never seen anything like this game. I don't think Cleveland Browns fans could have never dreamed of a result like this game. The Cleveland Browns defeated the Pittsburgh Steelers 48-37. to in this game, I, I honestly don't think you could have scripted a better result than this football game for the Cleveland Browns. The Browns won their first playoff game since 1994 when Bill Belichick was the head coach. It has been a long time coming. Browns also won their first game in Pittsburgh since 2003. But the Browns winning is is an amazing story. 
But they won this game without their head coach. Kevin Stefanski had to watch this game from home due to COVID protocols. They didn't have their O-line coach, Bill Callahan, who's a fantastic offensive line coach. They were missing their starting guard, Joe Batonio. Great, great starting guard. They missed their starting corner, Denzel Ward. And they lost some other coaches who weren't there and a few other guys who weren't there because of COVID. They also lost two offensive linemen in this game who got hurt. Baker Mayfield had to introduce himself to one of the backup O-linemen who ended up playing in this game pregame. Baker Mayfield literally had to go up to one of them and say, Hey, my name's Baker Mayfield. I'm the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. Pre-game. And the Browns got off to a 28 to nothing start in the first quarter. I know Pittsburgh shot themselves in the foot over and over again. Four turnovers, or five turnovers rather. Brutal for them. But I don't think, I just don't think you can script the first play of scrimmage is a fumble by Pittsburgh and a touchdown for Cleveland. It's, it's incredible. I just, it, what happened in this game was, was just what, what could go right for the Browns went right. Like if you could, like, I don't even think I'd, a list of like dreams, a Browns fan could have just wrote like what needs to happen in this game to happen. And this was like everything of that and more. It was unbelievable, an unbelievable game. Ironically, the Browns were also leading the Titans 38-7 to at halftime during this season. So that wasn't the first time the Browns had a game like that. They also dummied the Titans earlier in the year in Tennessee. But the big denominator here, and I talk about this with the 49ers all the time, turnovers will make or break you in a football game. And that's what happened in this game. The Browns were clean. No turnovers. The Steelers, 5 turnovers that was the killer because the Brown the Steelers did score 37 points hey look at Ben Roethlisberger's stats it was it was a historic day for Big Ben 47 for 68 501 yards passing four touchdowns and four interceptions but that's the that's the denominator he got four touchdowns threw four or five hundred yards but four interceptions that's the tough one Juju Smith-Schuster Deontay Johnson both went for over 100 yards but man Baker Mayfield Baker Mayfield, after all the slack that he has been given from the media and the critics and the Cleveland media, and oh, Baker's been doing too much commercials and all this, you know, he he's not the guy, maybe Cleveland should move on. This was the biggest, biggest smack in the face to all of those, all of those media people. Baker Mayfield comes out here in his first playoff game without his head coach, with, with a banged-up offensive line. I mean, this, the whole plot, you can't script what happened in this game. And Baker Mayfield got it done. And now, he's got to go to Kansas City and take on Patrick Mahomes. So the plot just gets even better. The run game was phenomenal. Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb combined for 124 yards, two touchdowns. Those two have been disgusting. Arguably the best running back duo in the NFL. But to summarize this game, I just don't think you can summarize this game because of how unbelievable it it was the Browns beat the adversity shocked everyone all the odds were against them and the Browns did it they defied the odds this was a team that was 0-16 just three years ago 0-16 three years ago what Kevin Stefanski has done in one season even though he wasn't there it was still his game plan what Kevin Stefanski has done and this coaching staff that he brought in here, because obviously they played a massive role in that game yesterday, 
unbelievable. I, I think it's coach of the year is Kevin Stefanski by a long shot at this point. And it's incredible. You took a, a team that no coach and no player has been able to do in 20 years. Kevin Stefanski has done it all and more in one season. And he didn't, and he wasn't even there in this playoff game. He was at home. But the Pittsburgh Steelers, that was an epic choke performance. That like that was an, an epic fail by the Pittsburgh. This is the defense that has TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, Cameron Hayward. I'm a fan of the Steelers of the Steelers defense. They are sick. But that was an epic choke job last night. 48 points to the Cleveland Browns. I mean, I get it. Big Ben didn't help you with turning the ball over. But that can't happen. And the Steelers defense, people can talk about how bad Big Ben played, but Big Ben also kept them in the game. The Steelers defense gave up 48 points. Like, I, I, I don't know what else to say. Just it was, it, was, it was an awful, awful performance for a defense that has been top-notch for a majority of the season. And the Steelers end, this, end up in a brutal year. I mean, they started 11-0 thinking about the Super Bowl. And then they lose their last five out of six, and their season's done after Wild Card Weekend. And then the Browns, well, they'll continue their dream season as they are headed off to Kansas City next weekend to take on Patrick Mahomes and the defending Super Bowl champions. Hopefully, Kevin Stefanski and the rest of the guys who were out this week will be there next week. It's the NFL playoffs. You cannot script what happens. You can sit there, you can predict a bunch of things. I bet you didn't have the Cleveland Browns going to the divisional round. I bet you didn't have the Buffalo Bills going 13-3, and the two-seed, and playing in the, in the divisional round, hosting a second playoff game back in August, because I sure didn't. What an amazing story. This is why we love the NFL. It's just so unpredictable. This year has been unpredictable. It's been an amazing season, but time to look ahead to divisional weekend, because it gets even better there. So now time to look ahead to the divisional round and man oh man all four games look to be there's a storyline in each one I mean each of them are so fascinating so interesting and we'll start with Saturday the first game 435 on Fox the one seeded Packers who got wildcard weekend off with the number one seed they will host Sean McVay and the six-seeded Rams on Saturday. This will be the first meeting of the season between the Rams and the Packers. The Rams have not played the Packers since 2018. This will be the first time that Sean McVay will coach against Matt LaFleur. Of course, Matt LaFleur was the offensive coordinator for the Rams in 2017 in Sean McVay's first season. So, similar to Shanahan and LaFleur last season, how they knew each other from being on the Falcon staff together, McVay and LaFleur worked together for the Rams in that season where they won the NFC West. So this is a really interesting matchup. I think it fascinates me because we saw last year what the 49ers were able to do against Green Bay with the run game and how Shanahan knew LaFleur and it wasn't even close. Right? We all know how that story went. So this game, I think, I mean, I'm hesitant to say it's a trap game for the Packers but it could be. It could potentially be. The reason why I say it's not is because last year when the 49ers played the Packers, both meetings were at Levi Stadium. This game is at Lambeau Field. I trust Aaron Rodgers at home at Lambeau Field. 
doesn't matter who is opposing him. But, you know, the Rams have the same formula. And if they look at what the Niners were able to do last year, and, of course, Raheem Mostert running for over 200 yards in the championship game, Cam Akers is capable of doing that. I mean, he's been on fire late, and he's more than capable of running for over 100 yards if they need to. And I know Sean McVay, he knows Matt LaFleur very well. And that's where this game intrigues me a lot. And, of course, there's the matchup between... Aaron Donald in that front seven against Aaron Rodgers, which I think is a very interesting matchup. The key one-on-one matchup I highlight in this game is Devontae Adams against Jalen Ramsey. That is an excellent must-watch matchup in this game. Jalen Ramsey, one of the best corners in the game. Devontae Adams, one of the best receivers in the game. I mean, it's a, it's a great matchup. And you look again, Rodgers and this offensive line against the Rams defense, this game is, is going to come down to, can the Packers stop the run, which they did, which is really the reason why they weren't in the Super Bowl last year, and can they do enough to move the ball down the field against this Rams defense, because they locked down Seattle, they did a heck of a job against Seattle, but then mind you, they've played Seattle three twice before that game, they haven't played the Packers in, in a while, and they got to go to Lambeau Field. This is a really interesting game, but I think when it comes down to it, I think the Rams, we don't know who their quarterback's going to be. That's the silver lining in this game. The Rams have the better defense. They have the better run game. But at quarterback, the Packers have number 12. And like I said just a few moments ago, I just wouldn't bet against number 12 at Lambeau Field in the postseason. I just, I wouldn't do it. And I know Jared Goff came in in relief, you know, did his thing. He didn't do anything great. He just did what he needed to do. Of course, he's limited with what he needs to do based on his broken thumb. But Sean McVay has yet to announce a starter, and it looks like he's going to go with the same plan that he did in in the previous game against Seattle with not announcing a starter until close to kickoff. Of course, last time we saw John Wolford, he was getting put in an ambulance. So who knows what is going to happen here. But listen, I, I, I think the Rams are going to give the Packers a really good fight. I really do. I think Aaron Donald's going to play. I think this defense is going to give it their best go. I think Sean McVay knows Matt LaFleur inside out. It's it's a very interesting game. But I think the Packers will end up winning this game. 24-20 is my prediction. I like the Packers. It's the quarterback. You know, the Rams have a great defense. They're, they'll be able to stay in the game. I think McVay is actually the better head coach in this matchup. I know Matt LaFleur has done great things with Green Bay. But... Aaron Rodgers, I mean, that's that's the silver lining for me. And Devontae Adams and him have been doing so good. And you look at, in the AFC, Diggs and Allen look like the best duo. But Rodgers and Adams have also been killing it all year. I like the Packers, but this is a really fascinating matchup. I'm excited to see this one between the Rams and the Packers. Saturday night on NBC at 8.15, the Buffalo Bills will host Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, man. This is an this is an excellent excellent game, and it's the first meeting of the season. The Ravens haven't lost since week twelve. The Bills haven't lost since week ten. Both teams are so red hot, like it's it's literally a toss up. And this game is is really going to come down to which defense gets the key stop, because Lamar Jackson is just on on fire right now, and Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs are unbeatable right now as well. You have two offenses that are just on a roll right now. And now they're on a collision course. And now they have to face each other. One of them's going to have to go home. 
it's going to come down to which defense comes up with that big key stop late in the game. The key matchups I have in this game are Stefan Diggs going up against Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. I think is a tremendous matchup. Stefan Diggs has had his way. Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters had their way against Tennessee. But also, I feel like Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds, the Buffalo Bills linebackers, will play a very big part in trying to stop Lamar Jackson. This is this is a great game. And the one thing in this game that separates Baltimore and Buffalo is the coaching matchup. Sean McDermott's coming off his first NFL playoff win as a head coach, but John Harbaugh is a Super Bowl champion. He has done this time and time again, and I feel like the Ravens have the defense to do it. They have the offense to do it, and if they keep Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs off the football field, similar to what they did with Tennessee, Baltimore can pull off the upset. This is a toss-up for me. I think the Bills are playing at such an incredibly high level right now. But same with Baltimore. But I'm going to go with the experience, and I'm going to take Baltimore 31-28. And that, of course, is the defense. There's experience pieces. And John Harbaugh is experienced head coach. I know Lamar Jackson, he's only played three playoff games. But Josh Allen's only played two. It's a a similar, you know, kind of thing where they both play the same amount of playoff matchups. And the Bills are the home team. But... Lamar Jackson, I just feel like this this Ravens team is is just just has enough to take them over the top. But honestly, it's it's an absolute toss up in this game. On to Sunday's game, the first one, three oh five on CBS. The Kansas City Chiefs, the number one seed in the AFC, who had Wild Card Weekend off, they will host the Cleveland Browns, the sixth seed in the AFC. This game is so fascinating to me. And it's just, you have the Chiefs, the Super Bowl, or the, the, the defending Super Bowl champions on one end. And you got the Cleveland Browns, who are in the playoffs for the first time in 18 years. The first time they've gone beyond Wild Card Weekend in, in since, since 94. I mean, this is just an incredible matchup. And... The, the Browns are good. Like this, this is a really talented football team. And I know it's so hard for a lot of us to wrap our head around because the Browns have just been so bad for so many years. And now we're looking at a team that is so, so good at running the football. And this defense is really young and they're really good. And Baker Mayfield has really done a nice job progressing. So this is the first meeting of the season between the Chiefs and the Browns. Here's a little nice, a little nice storyline in this game. This is a revenge game for Kareem Hunt, who's the Cleveland Browns running back. He was the running back for the Chiefs and obviously got released after the whole scandal issue. But Kareem Hunt's been balling right now. Him and Nick Chubb are, have been unbelievable. But what I look at in this game is can Baker keep up with Patrick Mahomes? That is that is the key. And I know a lot of people get to the point where they're like, yeah, you can duel with Mahomes, but you never want to do that. It's going to come down to, can the Browns defense get enough stops on this Chiefs defense? Because you look at last year and look at the Houston Texans. Deshaun Watson did exactly what he needed to do to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. The defense let him down. The Tennessee Titans did exactly what they needed to do in the AFC Championship game. Got away from it. Kansas City came back, won the football game. To the Niners in the Super Bowl, the offense did exactly what they needed to do to win that football game. 
I know the offense kind of crumbled late in that fourth quarter. But before that, they did exactly what they needed to do. The defense allowed three straight scores and the Chiefs go on to win this game. The Chiefs have done it all season long this year too. They did it with the Raiders. They did it with the Falcons. They they have done it time and time again. And that's going to be the key is can the Browns defense... Get enough stops. This is the team that's coming off of a five-turnover game. They they got five turnovers on the Pittsburgh Steelers. If they can cause some turnovers, that's the difference in this game. Because this Browns run game is lethal. And Baker Mayfield looks good. The Chiefs defense is very good. But the Browns should be able to move the football. But can this Browns defense do enough to keep Patrick Mahomes off the football field? And, the, and are the Browns going to be able to run the football? That's the key. The Browns can run the football, chew up clock, and keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. That's the Browns' key to victory. But when it all comes down to it, I just, I, I mean, can the Browns do it? Yes. And I think everyone, unless you're a hardcore Kansas City Chiefs fan, everyone has to be going for the Cleveland Browns in this game, right? I mean, they're the underdogs, and they've been awful for so long that everyone just wants to see them succeed. It's an amazing story. I know I'm going for the Browns. I'm rooting for them heavily in this game. But if I had to make a prediction, nah, I'm not betting against 15 at home. The heck no. I'll take the Chiefs 28-23. But if the Browns defense, my guy Joe Woods, the ex-49ers, he was our DB coach last year. He is now the Browns defensive coordinator. Had did an amazing job last night against the Pittsburgh Steelers. If Joe Woods in this defense can step up, the Cleveland Browns can pull off an even bigger upset. People thought the Pittsburgh game was a huge upset. If they go in and beat the defending Super Bowl champions, it might be the greatest moment in Cleveland sports history. I mean, I don't know. Maybe not ever. I still think LeBron winning the championship is is obviously a top there. But if not the best, one of the greatest all-time Cleveland sports moments ever. And last night was up there. Last night was totally up there. Top five. But if they beat the Chiefs, they are not sleeping for weeks. To the final game of the divisional round, and this has to be the best one. And the, the, the Chiefs and the Browns is a, is a very fascinating one. Same with the Rams and Packers. Ravens-Bills is an excellent matchup. But the finale on Sunday evening, 6.40 on Fox, Buck and Aikman on the call. Tom Brady against Drew Brees. The finale. Third meeting of the season, round three. This is the game of the weekend. The Saints swept the season series week one, 34-23. And then a disaster in week nine, 38-3. And you know Tampa Bay has been itching to meet the Saints again in the playoffs with a shot to go to the NFC Championship game. This game, and it, it's it's the storyline leading up to me is going to be the final meeting between Brady and Breeze. I know they haven't played a lot in their career, and I know it's the third time they played this year. But this game kind of has a Tom Brady-Peyton Manning feeling to it. And I know Manning and Brady had their own separate rivalry, one of the best rivalries in NFL history. And they played each other for a long, long time. And Brady and Breeze, not exactly. But there's something about this game that just has that Brady-Manning feeling to it. And I and I love it. I'm here for it. It's, it is everything you want it to be. A playoff game... Breeze 41 might be his last run. Tom Brady 43 doing things that we have never seen before in the NFL. This is this is an excellent game. And then you look at the Bucks have been heating up. They've pretty much destroyed every team that they faced except for when they play the Saints. The Saints just have their number. 
This is the chance for the Buccaneers. Put everything in the season to rest. Nothing in the regular season matters. 11-5, making the playoffs, who cares? When you've played the Saints, you have looked like crap. The defense have looked like garbage. Tom Brady looked like trash. The offense couldn't do anything. Special teams, they scored three points. A pathetic three points. This is it. This this should be the Super Bowl for Tampa Bay. This should be the Super Bowl. This is Tom Brady's chance to defy the odds, which Tom Brady's been doing that his whole career. Defying the odds in January. This is nothing new for him. But for the Saints, after three straight years... Now you have Tom Brady. I mean, they've lost to the Vikings twice. They lost to Jared Goff and the Rams. Now you got Tom Brady, who you've beaten twice. Now you got to beat him a third time to go to the NFC Championship game. This is this is just an absolutely incredible matchup. When I look at the individual matchups in this game, the Saints front seven against Brady, I think is an incredible matchup. The Saints defense owned Tom Brady back in week nine absolutely owned I remember back in my week nine recap on the 49 way podcast I previously said that was one of the best all-around defensive performances of the entire season and I still think that to put that Buccaneers defense to dominate them the way that the Saints defense did in that game was incredible absolutely incredible I like I I really do think that the Saints have the edge and then of course Marcus Lattimore and Mike Evans man or Marshawn Lattimore, Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans. That's a a great matchup there. And they've had their back and forth fights in the past, but it's a great game coming up. And this game's really going to come down to who comes up with the big play. It's going to be Kamara, Michael Thomas for New Orleans, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Gronk. Who's going to come up with the big play on defense? Can the Bucks get revenge or will the Saints get one step closer to getting Drew Brees his Super Bowl in his swan song. I'm going to go Saints 34-30 in this one. I'm expecting a fantastic game. I don't think you could script I don't think you could script this up any better. Brady Brees Sunday evening winner goes to the NFC Championship game. This this is the NFL playoffs to a T. I've been watching Tom Brady and Drew Brees since I started watching football. This is this might be the last this probably will be the last time that they play each other unless Drew Brees comes back again next year. I can't I, I cannot wait for this game. This weekend's gonna be phenomenal. All four games are gonna be great. Cannot wait for divisional weekend. Gonna be fantastic. And now it's time for the final segment of this episode where we crown the weekly award winners for the postseason. We have the wildcard MVP. Wildcard biggest disappointment, the wildcard unsung hero, and the game-changing play. For this weekend, all four winners came from the Browns-Steelers game. So, I'm just going to cut right to it here. The winner of the wildcard MVP, the candidates were Tom Brady, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. All had incredible games. Baker Mayfield is your winner. Baker Mayfield, and I, with, I think... I don't really need to dig too much more deeper. I explained what an amazing night it was. And for Baker Mayfield, they should they should build a statue of him in Cleveland. I mean, it's it's amazing. But Baker Mayfield absolutely deserved that to win the wildcard MVP. The Browns, they won the night. The wildcard biggest disappointment, well, that would go to Cleveland's opponent. The Pittsburgh Steelers defense, a resounding 26 votes that you guys voted on. The other candidates were the Bears offense, pathetic. Derrick Henry, no show, very impressive by the Ravens D and the Colts aggressive play calling. But of course, like we talked about earlier in the episode, you know, it wasn't that big of a disappointment. It was unfortunate. 
But the Steelers' defense was a massive letdown, as we talked about, an epic choke job, giving up 48 points to the Browns. Their Steelers' defense, with so much, so much talent, was the wildcard's biggest disappointment. The wildcard unsung hero was not a player, but it was a coach. And it was the offensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns, Alex Van Pelt, who was calling the plays instead of Kevin Stefanski, who of course wasn't there. What a game by Alex Van Pelt. I mean, he was so aggressive. 48 points for Cleveland. He deserves it. Like I said, this was this was Cleveland's night. Cleveland owned the weekend. They won the weekend. Amazing performance. Jared Goff was the other candidate. Mike Evans and Marcus Peters. Goff and Evans both. Good performances dealing with injuries. To the game-changing play of the weekend, of course, the playoffs always come down to a game-changing play. The candidates were Tannehill's interception in the fourth, the Rams pick six, the Colts who didn't convert on a fourth and goal, but the winner that you guys voted on was the Steelers fumbling the opening snap. I mean, really from that play, it, it, it was the first play of the game, but it really did change the game before it even began. The game just, the Steelers never recovered from that play and it was all downhill from there. Turnovers after turnovers and it was just a disaster for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So your winners for this week all came from the Browns and the Steelers game. Alex Van Pelt, Baker Mayfield, your MVP and your unsung hero. Steelers fumbling on the opening play, the, really the game-changing play and really the, the defining play of the game. And the Steelers defense wins the biggest disappointment, giving up 48 points to the Cleveland Browns. And that'll do it for this week's 49er Way podcast episode. The wild card recap and looking ahead to divisional weekend should be an incredible weekend ahead. Super wild card weekend. It was a massive success. NFL did a great job doing it. I was a little skeptical at first. But it was a huge success. Six games. All of them were fantastic. Cannot wait for Divisional Weekend. Should be fantastic there, of course. Who knows? Maybe some more 49ers. Offseason rumors will start coming up this week and moving on. But we'll see what happens. Until next week, when we will recap the Divisional Playoffs, of course. The 49ers season recap episode will be out later and available later this week. So there was that episode. And next week, we'll recap the divisional playoffs and look ahead to championship Sunday. Hope everyone has a great week and don't forget to give the 49er way a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis.